Welcome to the Make the Turn podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Jeff Ritter. Whether it's the pursuit of playing high-level golf or simply lowering your handicap, the lessons within deliver the tools to create joy and mastery on and off the course. If you want to learn more about Make the Turn performance, go ahead and check out our website, mttperformance.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at mttgolf or download our Make the Turn instructional app by searching Make the Turn Golf in the iOS app store or by visiting mttgolfapp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Make the Turn podcast. Today, we're going to talk mental toughness, the tools and techniques to learn how to use your mind only in ways that serve your ability to be awesome on and off the golf course. Our guest is Chris Doris. Chris is a mental toughness coach, author, and speaker in Phoenix, Arizona. His clients include junior and collegiate athletes across a multitude of sports, players from nearly every professional golf tour, including the PGA and Champions Tour, as well as some of the world's most successful companies. He's a longtime friend of mine and someone I'm excited to have on the program because the stuff he's going to share with you can literally change your life on and off the golf course. So with that, welcome Chris Doris. Hey, Chris, how's it going today, bud? Best day of my life, brother. You say that every time I talk to you. Why is that? It's my choice. You know, it's funny because I, I don't say that every time, maybe every time I talk to you because it's because I'm talking to you. But uh, when I say it to other people, um, like, you know, I'm going through the grocery store counter or checkout line and uh, the person says, hey, so how are you today? And I say, best day of my life. It's not my only response, but sometimes I say that. I say what's true for me. And, and sometimes I go, best, wow, why? And the answer is, because they're like, what happened? Like, what, is there a story? I'm like, well, no, I just decide that. And I think that's going to be relevant. Actually, this wasn't premeditated, but I think it's going to be relevant to some of our dialogue is that I get to decide. I get to decide that this is going to be the best round of my life in advance of it. I get to decide where this ball is going in advance, even though there's a million variables that I can't predict or control rather. I get to decide, however, this is the best day of my life. I decide that at the very beginning of the day and decide it again and again throughout the day because I get to do that. And it's true. It's not, it's not just nonsense. It's not just some hokey kumbaya crap. It's legit. It's my truth. I'm declaring that. So it's the best day of my life. Thanks for asking. So you and I have spent a ridiculous amount of time together in our lives. So, you know, full yeah. disclosure. I mean, we've, we've known each other for probably 20 years now, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, met in, we met in Arizona, a Jersey guy and a guy from just outside of Philly. That's me. And we found this connection in, in addition to the stuff that we do with, you know, clients <clears> in golf and, and life performance, but also through our team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, up, birds? And, and you know what? That's, that's the sound of all of our listeners in Texas uh, logging off. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of Texas, just Not all Dallas. Te- we, love, we, love, we love Texas. But, um, we do. you know, we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> and just kind of going off of what you just shared with me right there is that, you know, I've, you know, taken that principle in my own life and I've, and I've had that experience with, you know, people in the checkout line, you know, saying, you know, Hey, how's your day going? You know, you're talking to somebody who's checking you out at, you know, Whole Foods or Costco. And, you know, people are so conditioned to just really not listen to or hear what you're actually, what you're actually saying, because everything we do is so, you know, common. It's so predictable. And when you throw that at someone, you know, because you believe it, of course, but when you throw that to someone and say, best day of my life. I mean, they give you that double take. Like, what yeah, because they weren't even like looking at you, right? And they didn't even necessarily mean the question. It's just a greeting. Yeah, exactly. 
But 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 that's in our culture. Do you remember Jonas Runquist? Of course. Okay, Jonas. So when Jonas was playing, so Jonas was from Sweden when he was playing on the ASU men's golf team, and I was working with them. Uh, he was so cool. He's one of just the nicest humans ever. But one of the things that fascinated me about him is that you'd be like, hey, Jonas, what's up? And he'd stop walking, and it would be like, like, hey, Jonas, tell me your oldest memory in life. Or like, you know, what's the best birthday party? Like something specific. And you just said, hey, what's up? He goes, um, what's up? So I had a test, to, and he's like answering. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, like some people are like, I didn't, okay, I'm not really, I didn't really mean it, but I love that. Yeah. You know, he's just being really present. That's what it should be. Yeah, Still, I um, agree. And, that, and, and, and our games would be better if we were that way. Like, re, right? Really present with what is. Absolutely. And I say game, all game. Our, our life game, way better. Our so golf game, way better. Sorry. So, so let's talk about, I mean, how in the world did you get from guy growing up in New Jersey? I mean, I, I, I'm imagining that you weren't sitting there in undergrad school saying, you know, I'm going to be a mental toughness coach for the world's biggest companies, top athletes. Like, how do you get from New Jersey into where you are? And right let's give our listeners just a little, little breakdown on, on your story. I drove. I actually drove from New Jersey. <laughs> that's not what I meant, but that's your okay. personality. So let's give it to us. Right. So, um, you know, it has a lot to, I have the game of golf to thank for my journey. <clears throat> I, I also have the game of basketball to thank. So I'm doing social work, right? And living in a town called Sea Isle City. You can see the license plate right there says Sea Isle, C-I-S-L-E, but it's play on words. So uh, a small South Jersey island just south of Atlantic City. I'm doing social work, working with chronic schizophrenics and homeless drug addicts on the streets of Atlantic City. And that's, I knew that wasn't what I was going to be doing for my life, but it was a good start straight out of college because it just, I knew I wanted to do something in service. So, so I'm going to jump ahead. The real answer, like the shortest short answer to, to your question is I followed my bliss. That's like the shortest answer I could possibly give to like where I am today what I'm doing, the beauty of my life and profession, I could never have predicted. There's no way that I would have ever seen myself. I'm working with companies like you know Salesforce, multi-billion and Apple, multi-billion-dollar companies, and standing on stages giving keynotes. I'm writing books. Like what? This is none of this stuff was like any. I never thought of any of it. Uh, but it's all a consequence of continuously doing. I did, I've done one thing. Best decision I ever made in my life. In my life is to not go get a damn job because I think I needed one is to follow my bliss. So the shorter or the longer version is I was playing basketball while I was doing social work. At night times I play hoops, <clears throat> shattered my leg uh, one night in the game, compound fracture, disgusting, bone protrusion, horrible. Uh, never played basketball again, took up golf. After I recovered, started playing golf, like passionately. Put all my – and I played hoops in college. I played, played hoops my whole life. So then I, so I took all my investment from, from the game that I played my whole life and put it all into golf, started taking lessons, right? It was playing. I even saved up for a year. It took me to save for a junior membership. Wildwood Golf and Country Club was playing or practicing every day. I got really into it. Noticed how psychological the game was. I actually broke a club one day, slammed it into the ground, pissed off because I chili dipped a phenomenal drive. <clears throat> and, and I slammed my gap wedge into, and the ground was wet, and, it's, and it broke. The club heads are buried. And I'm standing there holding a broken shaft going, what in the hell? 
is wrong with me in my head? Like, what, what, what is going on? I never act like this in hoops. Like, I got to act like this normally in life, but I'm doing this like a lot, not breaking clubs, but slamming them, cursing, getting all freaked out, go way high one second, way low the next second. So I got fascinated. The game illustrated something really fascinating to me, which is volatility of emotions and, and conversely, the possibility of having it not be that way. So I decided then to marry my passion for sports with my passion for psychology and the rest is history. I had a golfer one time at ASU, Dave Canham, attended one of my workshops, uh, mental toughness workshops for golfers, came up to me afterwards. He's running the sales at Insight and said, hey, could you bring this mental toughness stuff into my sales team? I'm like, I, uh, I've never, I don't like know corporate culture. He's like, come on, just do it. And then, you know, 16 years later now, taking all the tools that I use with some of the people I've worked in this on the streets of Atlantic city with all the golfers, amateur and professional and use them in the sales world. They're all the same. These tools are universal, man. You know that. So you and I have both done a lot of work with not only junior golfers, but also obviously adult golfers, you know, you, you're working on the mental toughness side with, with players that are playing, you know, for, for a living um, as I have. What's the interesting thing that happens to us between adolescence and, and adulthood. You had an interesting study um, possibly back in grad school that really shed some interesting um, um, light, so to speak, on, on what's happening in our brains as we make this transition. Not all of us, but, but a lot of us. I love that. <clears throat> love that you're bringing that up. So uh, I have, I, it actually that, that experiment <laughs> <laughs> occurred um, at the Wildwood Golf and Country Club, right before I even came out to grad school. This is when I was very first entertaining, you know, the possibility of pursuing this career because I had a question. So after I snapped the golf club, I'm like, man, this is fascinating. Like, how can I traverse? How can I, you know, escalate, de-escalate and, and go experience such a profound variance of emotions in such a short period of time out here in this golf course, like depending on where the ball goes. Like, this is crazy. So I came up with a hypothesis. I wanted to test it. So I waited for the uh, father-son Saturday tournament day. And I stood on 18 green, right? And I had a, clip, uh, I, uh, a clipboard, which is actually right across the room. I wish I knew that you were going to bring that up. I would have brought it over, but I want to get up. You still have it? So it's right there. I still have it. That's yeah. right. I sit it next to my chair that I coach in because I reference it constantly with my clients that come to the office. I sit over there in a rocket chair. They sit right here in this other cushion chair. So, I, so it's sitting over there, but basically what it is, all it is, is it's got two of these, which are just T-charts with plus minus. One was for kids, like 10 and younger, and one was for adults. So I had two clipboards. I have one of them still. <clears throat> and I just asked everybody that came off 18 green one question, a nice, simple, open-ended question. And the question was, hey, how'd it go? How'd it go? And if they said something pleasant, I would put a check mark in the plus column. If they said something unpleasant, I'd put a check mark in the minus column. Simple as that. <clears throat> I think everybody watching or listening to this can predict the results. Okay? And of course, the hypothesis was that kids were going to have a more positive set of responses than the adults. That was the hypothesis. Well, I didn't, so I was right, of course. But I didn't realize in advance how right, like how right that hypothesis was. 
So the adults will start with their responses, and I'm not going to quote them because they could be inappropriate to use the verbatim language that they use, but you know the deal. Everybody that's played the game, been around long enough, knows what it is. Like, I'll just clean it up a little bit. They'll say something like, I sucked again. That <laughs> pops. Or better than, a day, you know, better than a day at work, which is, you know, positivity, negativity disguised as something positive. Or played good on the front, managed to screw it up on the back as usual. Would have been good if I could putt to save my life. All this blah, blah, blah. Like total negative stuff. In fact, the only positive responses from adults were A, if uh, they had an unusually good scoring round, or B, if they were like really old people. Interesting. Now, let's go to the kids' responses. All positive, but remarkably positive. Way more positive than I anticipated. One kid said, oh, now, now they don't even know me from Adam, right? I'm some stranger standing there with clipboards, it's weird, and going, hey, how'd it go? And a kid doesn't care. They're like, oh, I made the, a putt on number two. It's like 100 feet long and broke four times, which is probably total nonsense. It, but he made a long putt, which was amazing in his mind. And it's like four and a half hours ago. Some stranger asks you a question, how did it go? And the first thing that arises in this kid's field of consciousness is a badass success story from four and a half hours ago. That effortless, right? It's selectively, automatically attending to success, something excellent, right? Mastery. Another kid said, I finally saw the turtle in the pot, the snapping turtle in the pond on number 12. My, it's like the size of my dog. I always thought you guys were lying about that thing. So he's like checking out a, what we call water hazard. <laughs> Cause he probably hit his ball in the damn place. Right? right. And he's going over there and he's checking out. He's like, Oh, dad, look at that thing's huge. And he's like appreciating one of the, the, the most amazing elements or parts of characteristics of the game of golf itself. It's in nature. <laughs> right? So now the best response, though, of any of them was a kid said, I hit the ball so far off a of 16T, it went in the bay. <laughs> and he was fist pumping the air. He was like, like how good is that? <clears throat> so you can imagine that, like his dad hits first, right? He hits from the back tees and he walks up in the fairway so he can watch his son's shot and the kids hit from the front tees and he just hits it on the screws and it's like, oh, oh, oh. and the kids go, 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 go. And the dad's going, get down, get down. <laughs> and then it goes in the, and it goes in the bay, right? He drives it through the fairway, his dog leg, right? And, uh, and, and the kid's like, dad, the dad, the dad's like, damn. And the, dad's like, and the kid's like, Dad, did that go in the water? And the dad's like, yeah. And the kid's like, you swear? Because he never <laughs> hit it that far before. So this is one event, and this is the, finally the answer to your question. One event, two completely distinct, different, even opposing interpretations. The kid is like, somebody's getting longer over here. Mastery. Get you some, come out. <laughs> the dad is like, oh man, poor kid. He finally catches one on the screws and he gets screwed. So the answer finally is over time, what happens is our, our natural response, I'm convinced, as human beings, is to respond to all of life with enthusiasm. 
to, to experience it spontaneously in an inspired way until we're educated to see it problematically. And that's the shift that happens over time. Now, the good news of that is we, we can shift back. We can retrain ourselves to experience. So that's why they say, you know, say that young people learn quickly. It's not because of youth. It's because they simply have yet to be educated to view the world differently. Right? So we can go, we can reprogram ourselves. And that's a huge part of what mental toughness training is. You could say it's all of it really is reprogramming the way that you experience all of life, golf and all of life in a way that has you be inspired and activates creative genius, activates <clears throat> athleticism, activates all things good. Practice changing the way you're stopping seeing outcomes as problematic and instead as opportunistic. Well, that's interesting because, you know, as, as a young golfer, as a developing golfer, you know, we're talking about what, what age of these kids that, that were part of this, this study, these kids are. So, so I defined the youth, right? The kids, kids as like nine and younger, because right after that, you get in junior golf, you're, see you later. Right. So these aren't, yeah, these aren't like, these aren't like high school stud, stud athletes. So these are developing golfers who, who more times than not might not be getting a, a result that that any golfer would uh, way more than not yeah exactly <laughs> you know and that's interesting and, and, and yet the truth and this isn't like positive thinking okay let's have that be clear this isn't this is like normal thinking right right getting pissed off on the golf course is abnormal that's actually a learned behavior <laughs> i remember distinctly where i learned it so I told you that story where I slammed the club. Where did I learn that? I learned it from, you know, rest of soul, uh, my uncle. Because my mom would send me out to play golf with him because he was good. He was good. Like, he'd break 80. That's good. And to a kid starting, that's pro. <laughs> to watch someone shoot in the 70s, is, it's like for beginners, like, whoa. So I just want to, like, absorb everything. So I'm, and you know, when you're starting golf, man, it's like so over, there's so much to learn. It's like it's a big game. Incredible. It's, it's, it's just so game. much going on. Like, I mean, just like, where do you put your bag <laughs> when we're walking? Where, where are you supposed to put it? Like when, like, you, you know, learning to find out where the next tee is and leave it over there. Where do you, you don't, you don't lay it down on the, on the green. You don't do that. I didn't know that. You know, when do you talk? When don't you talk? What do you say? What, how do you pick a club? How do you switch? There's a million things to learn. Etiquette and all that stuff rules and and actually execution so it's just like overwhelming i'm just absorbing like a sponge and you know so i'm learning a lot on like which clubs to hit which yardages and how to play shots and all that stuff and all those other things but you know what else i'm learning that i didn't realize i was learning is how to react because when he would slice a ball he would scream he would curse and slam his club he would slam the driver on the tee box and he had his own curse gd he'd scream right and i'm not just watching and I didn't realize at the moment that what I'm learning is that's how good players respond. I didn't know that was going on, but I'm getting imprinted. You know, and then he would miss a putt or he'd three jack and he throws a putter and go, you idiot. He would call himself an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he said nitwit. <laughs> you know, when so I'm, I'm so I'm learning that stuff. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, when I'm when I'm talking to my adult players, you know, you got to really be able to frame, you know, their expectations relative to the experience. And, and I always believe that you should expect the world and then be accepting of the results. Like, don't go out there and go like, hey, 
you know, I'm going to have a lousy day because I'm not that good of a player. You should go out there and say, hey, if I want this ball to go somewhere, then I'm going to believe that I can hit it there. So you have this picture of how you want things to be. Mm. You approach that action of hitting the shot with like total enthusiasm. And then you get to see how well you deal with not getting what you want. And if you Mm. can do that, you know, Mm. throughout the course of four or five hours, that number you put on the scorecard, that's the best you can do that day. Yeah. You know, that's funny because this game, well, it's like um, Rotella's title. I love the title of his first book, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. And you could even say it's like, it's a, it's a game of misses. It's a game of like maximizing or, I don't know, getting the best score when the ball almost never goes where you want. <laughs> be too long for a title. But it's true. You think about it, like what percentage of shots, seriously, how many shots in a, in a, in a total round of golf go exactly where you wanted them to? And it's a maximum of 18. Yeah. You know, Ben Hogan. Those are the ones that go in the hole. Ben Hogan said maybe one or two around for him. For him. For him. <laughs> right. So what's that saying? Is what about the rest? It means you're get you're not getting what you wanted. And if you aren't willing to master the experience of not, of not getting what you want, this is going to be an endless struggle for you. Yeah, and that's, you might want to go. You might want to switch it up and go play something else. And that's what most people experience. I mean, the thing is, is that. You know, you're out there to, to play. You know, we have our friend David Jack. David Jack is a, is a fitness professional. He's larger, larger than life in, in a lot of different ways, you know, size and also personality and, and the love he has for, for other people. And one of the things that he shared with me, and I believe he shared with you, is that you always got to show up ready to play. You know, play. What does play mean? P-L-A-Y. And to play means to have a good time. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't think that enough golfers are showing up to the golf course, ready to play, understanding why they're there, what the experience is supposed to be all about. So, you know, after that little discussion right there, you know, what are the first steps or what is the first step for being able to decondition that way of thinking? You know, so if we were, you know, in a pure yeah. state as adolescents and we've been conditioned to behave this way because of our experiences, you know, as we all are. What do we start to do to, to get, back to, get back to basics? Uh, you know, one of the things that I um, encourage every single golfer I've ever worked with is to, I, I have, there's a, there's a trick question that I ask, which is, uh, what's your favorite, like when I'm starting this part of work, which is having it be fun again for them, because there's great intelligence and fun. I do a lot of writing on the great, the intelligence inherent within fun. Fun is like, the, if you're interested in being amazing at anything, fun is like the most responsible thing you could do. So I ask <clears throat> this question, uh, what's your favorite shot? And it's a total setup. What's your favorite shot to hit in the game? Total setup. Because <clears throat> the, there's only one response that I'll accept. And I'm almost, I don't think anybody's ever said it in the first stab, which is next one, this, this one. And, and have that be true. Like in the beginning, we were talking about, like, it's the best day of my life. Why? Because I'm, I'm having that be true. I'm just having that be true because I can. Because we're all free to do that. So it's like, what's your favorite shot? <clears throat> so you're plugged in a bunker. This one. I want to get, I want to, I want to stop complaining. Okay. That's a, take that away, everyone. Okay. Number one, start stopping complaining. I'm not kidding. It just makes you stupid. <laughs> it makes you stupid and bad at stuff. It deactivates all forms of intelligence. It's just like it's truly dumb. Like, think like the only thing 
that anyone could possibly ever get out of complaining is maybe a little bit of like bonding through negativity, which is like more expensive than it is like useful. So it's all around dumb. So start stopping complaining and replacing it with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is, is really one of the most powerful states of mind that we can choose to uh, think our way into. That was very on purpose language right there. I'll say it again. Enthusiasm is one of the most intelligent and powerful emotional states that we can choose to think our way into. All right. So uh, the word enthusiasm itself is fascinating because it comes from the Greek word entheos, which means like E-N inside. Theos, the creator, the creator within. Huh. Huh. Fascinating. So if I approach, I want to, I want to approach every shot with enthusiasm. Like, and have it be true that this is my favorite shot. So going back to the, it's a, I know it's an extreme example, but who cares? It's like a, it's a ball and it's in sand and it's a little bit buried. So it's a plug lie. But we've all been conditioned to go, oh, I'm baked. That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> is that going to have you be amazing? So I'm not, and I'm not saying, oh, let's jump for joy. Yay. That's phony. But it's like you walk up to the, the, the like, what if you could be like this? Which, by the way, we all can. What if I walk up? I know I hit it in the bunker, but I'm like 160 yards away. I don't know. It's plugged until I get up there and I see it. What if you could train yourself to get to the point where your instantaneous response, instead of going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Instead, through practice and training, your auto immediate response is, huh, that's not what I was going for. All right, what can we create out of this? I love that. You know, um, dude. Did you say, hold that thought, please hold that because I don't want to forget this. Do you remember, have you ever seen the video of oh, forgetting the, the player's name is at the Phoenix open, the 16th hole, Amy, the yes. little girl down. Okay. Yes. What's the, what's the player's name? Cause I want everybody to Google that. That's so brilliant. Oh, boy, you just Amy, spot. it doesn't matter. You know what? If you Google, Story of the year. we'll find it and we'll put it into the, show, the show notes, right? Just, just Google. God, I can't re- believe I'm forgetting the dude's name because he was so perfect. Anyway, if you just Google 16th, Phoenix Open 16th hole Amy, it, I, it will auto-populate with Absolutely. Uh, it's coming other up sure. player. It's a story, and I'm not going to tell the whole story. Just please go look that up and watch it because what I want you to do is count the number of times that she says something. Count the number of times that Amy says something positive. She's, on, she's at a pro-am day, right? And it was like a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing. And she's a, a golfer, and her dream was to like, I don't know, play a 16th hole or something. So they made it come true, and they surprised her with it. So she plays the hole. And the whole time, you know, they're all mic'd up, and, and they're asking her questions. The player, and I'm, I'm so upset with myself to, that I'm not re- remembering his name because I really want to well, give him props here, but you'll go Gary, find it. Yeah, Gary Woodland. It was Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland. Good job. Good find. So, yep. And <laughs> he's like, you want to play this hole? Yes. So, so count the number of times that Amy says a positive anything in response to all the questions she's being asked, right? Count the number of times. I count them. And count the number of times she says something remotely negative. Zero, by the way, spoiler alert. It's zero of them. I got this. So, I she got, said, I got this. this. I, yes. Yes. I got this. Oh, this is great. They love me. They love me. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. You're going to make me start crying. It's, I start crying every time I watch the thing. And here's the deal. So, so that's homework for everybody. She's the teacher. The homework is to watch her and then go mimic her. 
<laughs> that's incredible. She did hit it into the bunker. I'm not. I'm not going to ruin the story. Uh, that's all I'll say. And then you know, Gary said, "Do you want to hit it again?" She's like, "Yes." It wasn't like, eh, "All right." It's like, "Yes, yes." She is only enthusiasm, and that's why everyone loved her. The whole, I mean, the 16th hole, the Phoenix Open. You know, I think she made a number mm-hmm. that that matched most of the field too. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She did. She did. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. And imagine, I had goosebumps. Oh, you have to. Everyone has to go watch that. I mean, imagine like the 16th hole. I mean, if you're a golf fan, which you are, if you're listening to this program, I mean, that is like, that's an amphitheater. That is, mm-hmm. you know. It's the Coliseum of golf. That is the Coliseum of golf. I mean, that's a, a highly intense and nerve wracking moment to play that if hole. If you view it, if, unless it isn't. That's right. Right? Right? Because it wasn't for her. It wasn't for her. She didn't choose to interpret that way. And that's the learning. Right? Because we're all in agreement that, oh, that's so intimidating. Oh, my God. You know, I have a buddy who played in the Pro-Am this past year. You know, I was asking about it. He's like, oh, my God. I just did. I want, all I cared about was not whiffing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's good. He's good. He's a single digit. He's probably like a five. Don't miss it. <laughs> right. Uh, just make contact. <laughs> He's a five handicap. Yeah. Uh, Jojo, we're talking about you. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's, isn't that great? Because, like, it, it's not intimidating. It's just a hole. In fact, if anything, it's fascinating. Nowhere else in the world of golf will you have that experience. That? Nowhere on the planet. But yet, like, a lot of people look at it as a horror story. I'm so glad we went there. That's amazing. It's great stuff. Yeah, yeah, man, no doubt. Yeah. So her um, auto response. So let's let's so let's get back to the thing where like like visualize yourself in the future after reprogramming your mind for a bit, so that you so that your auto response to every time the ball goes anywhere other than where you wanted it to, which is like always, <laughs> then your auto response is, huh? That's not what I wanted. In fact, here here are two questions. This is a this is something that um, I, I really want people. This is a real like concrete takeaway. This is an, a practice. I want everyone to be practicing. <clears throat> so when get into the habit that when the ball goes offline, okay, anywhere other than where you wanted it to go, get into the habit of responding with two questions. If you get pissed off, fine. Be there for two seconds. Get done with the pissed off as fast as you can. Get rid of it because it's making you dumb. So then you get to the two questions, which are, one, uh, what's the learning in this? In other words, like, how did I do that? You know, I learned from you, man, that every shot, and I love this so much, every shot is perfect for a certain circumstance. Maybe this wasn't that circumstance, but it, it's perfect for a certain, like even a shank. There'll be times you're standing behind a tree. You wish you could shank it on purpose. You know, so it's like, oh, how did I do that? And I'm not saying like take 10 minutes to analyze the crap. I know it's just like, oh, what do I, you know, if there's any learning that's obvious, capture it in that moment. And then the next question is now, what can I create from this? Let's go get it. Let's go walk up over there where it is. And then what can I create from that? So get out of frustration, get out of disappointment, get out of self-criticism, self-deprecation and anger and all the typical boneheaded responses that don't help anything and get straight into uh, what's the learning in this and what can I create out of it? You know, the highlight reel 
it's not from the center of the fairway. Like if you go on YouTube right now and click, you know, PGA Tour highlights. That's, cool. That's a good point, PGA man. PGA Tour highlights. I like that. I mean, Bubba Watson, when he was Masters yeah. in the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Mickelson. <laughs> Bill Mickelson spent right. a lot of his lifetime in the trees. And the thing is, is that yeah. it's an opportunity to do something amazing. It's an opportunity to shock the world, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. those opportunities only arise if our ball is usually somewhere that we didn't want it to go. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, you know, when you hit a ball offline, it's like, oh, what can I create? What miracle can I create out of this? What, 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 like, career shock? I'm not saying that that's always the case. In fact, it can, that's not always. It's almost, like, that's rarely the case. I'm saying, like, even if it's true that what can I create from this, the answer is a smart bogey, that's brilliant compared to a triple, <laughs> right? Or to mail it in for the rest of the day, like a lot of people do. Or, you're, you're, you're really, I know. Right. And, and it's like, and where's the fun in that? <laughs> Here's a question. Um, I've been dying to, to ask you here on the show because your, your perception of, of this question or your response to this question is the only time I've heard anyone respond or, or phrase this, um, this idea otherwise. And it's the idea of where does confidence come from, mm. right? Because in, in, my, in my experience, um, from the people that I've spoken to and, and heard, you know, and just players themselves, I mean, there's a belief that confidence comes from evidence of proficiency, evidence that you can actually do something you know, at a high level. What do you yeah. have to say? Oh, there's almost, I watch a lot of golf. I love watching golf. And sometimes I cringe listening to the commentators, most of whom I love and I think are amazing. I really mean that. But sometimes they say stuff that has me go, with respect to confidence, what you're talking about is they're like, well, he just needs to get, you know, get a few wins under his belt before he can, you know, feel out confidence. You know, like he belongs out there. Or I just need to start making some putts with the flat stick to get his confidence back. In other words, what they're saying is they need outcomes in order to get – so here's the answer to your question. In fact, you know what? Can I – here's how I'd like to answer that. I've never done it this way before. Uh, can we answer it with an exercise? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So I want everybody to do this. Okay? You included. All right, and I'm not going to ask you any – well, just, let's just do this. Uh, think of an event that happened in your life, whether it was recent or distant, but have it be something that you would identify as tragic. And, and I'm not going to ask you, Jeff, what, what the event was. Just We don't need to do that. Just get one. Okay, get an event. Think of an event that happened in your life that, was, that you would call tragic. Or at least like really, really disturbing if, you don't, if you're having trouble, if you have a, such a blessed life that you don't have any access to tragic memories. Cool then just think of something that was truly disturbing and re-experience it right now. Like really let yourself just for a couple moments, fill your mind, right? Opt, choose to fill your mind with that fall content, the memory of that truly unpleasant event. And as you're doing that, notice the emotion or emotions, the states, the emotional states that arise in you instantly. As you do that, as you choose to fill your mind with that particular thought content, 
do that just for a few more moments. Now we're going to change channels, just like change, just like changing channels on the Directory TV remote. So now we're going to switch to the channel where you're going to fill your mind with the memory of something absolutely hysterical, something really, and you and I could come up with a lot of similar ones or ones that we shared. So think of something that was just so hysterical and choose for the next few moments to like really re-experience that. In other words, I'm asking you to choose to fill your mind with that thought content of something hilarious. And as you do it, notice the emotional state or states that arise instantly as you do that. All right, so Jeff, were you able to do both of those? Yes, I was. Okay, so can you tell me then what were, and your answers are going to be like identical, right? Fundamentally the same as what anybody else who's watching or listening would say. Um, what are the states that arose? Rephrase, rephrase. What are the emotional states that you created for yourself out of thin air, sitting in a chair, doing a podcast, sitting in your home, in a chair with your buddy on the phone? What are the emotional states that you created by choosing to fill your mind with tragic thought content? The best way I can describe it is that, you know, as I really settled into that, that moment, mm -hmm. um, which is a really sad thing for me in my life, it was mm -hmm. um, instantaneous, heavy, dark energy that really felt like it was sinking to the pit of my stomach. Okay. Wow. Roger that. <laughs> give, lay, well, then that means you did it. Yeah. So uh, can you give me a couple, just name a couple, like, like, like flavors of ice cream, like give me the names of a couple emotions that you experienced there, that, that you created. I'm saying that very real purpose. Ice cream flavors? No, I'm saying like <laughs> if you go to Baskins and Robbins, my bad, I didn't really explain that well enough. <laughs> If you, <laughs> that was a little ambiguous. That's like, if you I'm go, not going to pull this yeah, one off. <laughs> well, yeah, but here's, here's that analogy. Like if we go to Baskins and Robbins, there's like 33 flavors or something and you have access to all of them. It's all, they're all equally available to you. Sure. You just choose. Yeah. It's the same thing with your moods. So like now, so if you, when you order, you need, you can't say, give me a cold one. They're like, I, I need more from you from that. Mm -hmm. I need a little more. Okay. Cold tasty one like i need just give me a name so give me a name what are the emotions that you created with the the dark memory thought it was just it was it was heavy it was um disturbing it was a place that i didn't want to be for too long of a period of time um, so darkness yeah so okay uh, like, just, you know, um, murky would be another thing. I mean, everything, it, like if I were to walk into a Sadness. Room, yeah, absolutely. Yes, just despair. Yeah, it's a place that Maybe you want to leave. Even. It's a place okay. you want right. to leave. So good. Now, now, how long did it take for those emotions to arise when you, uh, now pay attention to the language. I'm using a little bit weird language, but very purposefully. How long did it take for those emotions to arrive after you chose to fill your mind with that particular thought content? Well, I mean, it was easy for me to, to find the thing. So I would say that it happened almost instantaneously. Okay. Now, what about the emotions when you changed the channel? 
And I actually did a blog on this in this chair. I used that TV up on the wall there, right? I sat here with the remote and I actually, I, I had a, a um, what you call it, a um, timer and I timed how long it took when I pressed the channel for the, for the channel to change, right? And it took six seconds for DirecTV to go from one channel from ESPN to ESPN2. I hate that about them, by the way, but go on. I, I do too. <laughs> I, pay, I pay a lot of money for that hatred. <laughs> so so now, now we'll get back to that in a second. What were, how would you label the emotions that you created for yourself out of thin air with the second memory, which is, a tr- which is thought content of something hysterical or hilarious? Well, later on, you do need to tell me what that thing was. Uh, well, you know what this thing is. We'll talk I about it. Sure. But um, it, it was an immediate sense of um, being light and free, um, an effervescent energy. You know, my, my cheeks automatically, you know, raised into a smile. I started laughing because I knew. I should have looked at you. I wasn't looking. I was <laughs> off in my own world. I should have actually looked at you because that happens all the time. I People mean, physically change. Yeah. It happened like that. Okay. And, and, right, and that, those moods arose instantly, right? Now, how long did it take to switch from the dark ones, right, to the or low grade, to the light ones or the high grade, the unpleasant to the pleasant? How long did it take to change? A lot less than DirecTV, that's for sure. You're damn right. And I'll tell you exactly how long. It, well, it can be a lot less. It can be if you'll choose it to be, right? In this example or in this exercise, if you did it, then it was definitely less in six seconds and, and i'll tell you exactly the amount of time it was it was the exact amount of time that it took you to change the content of your thinking boom that's the deal so what this exercise has us know and you can never unknow it is that you have access just like at baskins and robbins access to every one of the flavors that's available well in the same way you have access to every single human emotional state on the whole spectrum Every single possible human emotional experience is available to you now, sitting in a chair in your room. It doesn't matter where you are. Sitting in your car, driving, out on a bike, listening to the podcast. Always. You always have access. When the ball goes where you want it to, you have access to misery. When the ball doesn't go where you want it to, you have access to bliss. You have access to misery. You have access to everything in between. You have access to neutral. So you're asking me the question, where does confidence come from? Well, this exercise hopefully has answered that question. And if it hasn't, I'll make it unambiguously clear. It comes from the way you're thinking. I have friends who I play with that say when they birdie hole number one, you know what they say. What do they say? It's going to be a good day. Nope. No? Some of them do. No, but I have ones. I, well, oh. no. I have That, that you, other guy. One, the other guy. The other guy. <laughs> yeah. They go, one and done. Screwed. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. yeah. They're like they actually yeah. choose to believe that birdieing the first hole means you're screwed. <laughs> One and done. Oh, screwed now. And and they're only kind of joking. Right? So confidence doesn't come from I've worked with so many amazing athletes from all different sports. <clears throat> and you might be surprised to hear that some of uh, some of the world's top athletes, if you're playing professional at anything, you are in the highest echelon. And yet that doesn't make you um, 
confident. You you would you might be surprised at some of the the the, the fears, the comments that some of the best players in the world make. Like I, I don't know if I belong out here. Sometimes, you know. But then, it, it, like if other if the world knew that, they'd be like, "Are you kidding me? Like it's you. You're on TV. You're pro. You're one of the top twenty one twenty five in the world. What do you mean?" So success doesn't bring, right? So outcomes don't, does not, in no way guarantees confidence. I mean, we've all known those students, right, in school who got straight A's, but they still freak out before, I don't know if I'm ready for this test. Like, shut up. Like, you've never not got an A. Shut up. So that's an example of, like, perfect performance, perfect outcomes, a perfect track record, and still no confidence. So we know that confidence doesn't come from performance, from good performance. It comes from the way you're thinking, which means you can choose confidence before you even start. And the thing about that is that if you occupy this emotional state known as confidence, completely void of evidence of proficiency, wouldn't that increase the likelihood that you're gonna get to where you wanna be to begin with? Exactly, because what you're doing is you're elevating your state. What happens when you elevate your state uh, you're activating, and this is a little science. This is like a little science stuff, which is amazing and cool. Is you're you're instructing your brain then to respond to your choice of thinking, then creating that emotion of like enthusiasm, confidence, confidence, right, excitement. Uh, then it releases chemicals called uh, neurotransmitters called de- sopa- <laughs> sopamine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried that one. What is it? What's that one? It's new. It's new. It's new. Little soapy. <laughs> <laughs> dopamine and serotonin, all right, which, which are the on switches for all intelligent centers of the brain. And they have us be good, but only at everything and only always. So there's great intelligence to you know, elevate the state, right? And uh, create the state, don't wait. What state? Whatever state you want. Whatever state's going to have you feel good, whatever state's going to have you be good, right? Whatever state's going to inspire you. Create the state, don't wait. Don't wait for what? Don't wait for good outcomes to feel confident. It's like, Decide before you tee it up. This is going to be the best round of my life. Listen to the language that people use on the first tee. It's just, it's, just listen. Don't, you don't have to participate in it like, or criticize it. You know, uh, Just pay attention to it and go, hmm, that's not inspiring. Like, well, I haven't touched a club in a couple of weeks. This should be interesting. What's that, what's that bringing? What kind of state is that bringing? That ain't bringing confidence. That ain't bringing expertise. It's like, hey, this is going to be the best round of my life. You remember the shooter's mentality? Absolutely. This is what we're talking about, really. Yeah, shooter's mentality is like, so uses the uh, basketball as a metaphor. So uh, the shooter's mentality, basically what it means, it's a tool, right? It's a thinking tool to help you elevate your state always. Um, so, so here's the deal. Like imagine, um, we'll say Steph Curry is a good example. He's a great example of somebody that, has, that plays now and has the shooter's mentality. So Steph Curry goes out one night and he um, – makes his first 10 shots in a row from the field, swish, from deep, because he's a deep baller, right? And so what's he thinking? He's thinking to himself, oh, this is perfect. This couldn't be better. The fact that I made the first 10 guarantees the next one is going in. Give me the ball. Come on, give it a rock. Now, pause. We know that that's statistically nonsense. That is not true. The fact that the first 10 went in in no mathematical way means that the next one's going in. He doesn't care about being mathematically accurate. He cares about being confident. 
right? Because he's confident. The better I feel, the better I do, but only at everything always. So he chooses to believe, and we get to do this. This is one of the most amazing things about being human and the way our brains function is you get to choose what you believe to be true. So he chooses to believe that it means it's going in. Now, next night, he goes out and he bricks, stone cold bricks his first 10 in a row, doink, doink, 10 times. What's he thinking to himself? Well, most people would say he's thinking, all right, I suck tonight. I can't put the ball in the ocean. Let me just shell it out. Let me dish. Well, that's not what he's thinking. And that's not what the people with the shooter's mentality choose to think because people with shooter's mentality only choose to think stuff that makes them feel pumped because they know when they're pumped is when they maximize the probability of being amazing. So what he's thinking when he bricks 10 in a row, he goes, perfect. Couldn't be better. Fact that I've missed the first 10 guarantees the next one's going in. Give me the damn ball. And he believed it to be true. So what was he thinking after he missed the first one that night? Perfect. Couldn't be better. I don't miss two in a row. Then he missed it. No, he's not thinking. Oh, the shooter's mentality stuff's not working. No, he, <laughs> and he goes, perfect. I don't miss three in a row. Give me the ball. And he goes, perfect. Because when that happens, guaranteed next, and he stays there. And now some people might be hearing this and going, this is a little delusional. Yeah, you're damn right it is. Yeah, you're deluding yourself out of being pissed off. You're deluding yourself out of being uh, a rookie. You're, 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 you're deluding yourself straight up into mastery. Now, that said, after, so all he cares about, and this is what shooter's mentality is, is about keeping your mood elevated. Your, your physical performance will always fluctuate, okay? Always fluctuate. What doesn't need to fluctuate is your attitude. You can lock that in at max with practice, right? So, so let me add this to the story, though. After the night where he bricked 10 in a row, after the game's over, you know what he did? Stayed in the gym and practiced for four hours. So he's not acknowledging any kind of failure during game time. Don't have time for that. Don't have time for that. Not when you're performing. Not when game on. You can't let your attitude dip. That is not the time. Afterwards, you go, that was no good. We got to fix that. Okay, then go fix it. So what this is like, you, you start off the whole, right? You start off your round of golf and, and, you, and you, 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 you par five, you're on in two. You walk off with a bogey. <laughs> four jiggle right <laughs> what do you what are you say what are you saying to yourself you know what are most people saying what are you, what are most people saying themselves after that i mean that's a, a sort of an extreme example but even if you're on a two and you walk off a par what are most people saying themselves well they're disappointed they blew an opportunity yep i blew it god god <laughs> right so what would the shoot what does someone who knows the importance of keeping your state elevated in order to be amazing. Uh, what would someone say then, walking to number two tee box from number one after a three jack? This is perfect. This and why? Could, this couldn't be better because every time I three jack, I follow it up with five straight birds. Nah, that's perfect. So you know your stuff, bro. Something like that. Well, I hang with you right there. <laughs> that's right. And people hear that. I hope everyone's hearing that. Because that's a perfect uh, example of a shooter's mentality response. Okay, and it might not be your automatic response because then you three-jack and you're walking up and you're like, God, you want to catch yourself with that, with that low-grade like negative response, right? And, and then just eradicate it as fast as possible and replace it, right? And that's the practice is catch it when you're getting ugly and say, no, 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 no time for that nonsense. It makes me dumb. 
And then, what was that tool those guys talked about? Ritter Show? Uh, <laughs> that, that, um, oh, Shooters of Mentality. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, this is perfect. This is not perfect. Yeah, yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> why? Why is this perfect? This sucks. No, no. Why is this perfect? It's perfect because, what did Ritter say? Uh, okay, whenever I make, whenever I 3D plot, I always go on a birdie tear. And practice, it might feel fake at first. It, it probably will feel totally fake at first, especially if you're more well rehearsed at being negative when you don't get what you want. So it will feel fake. Fine. It's not fake. What's fake is you being pissed. That's the fakeness. That's what you learn to be fake. Get back to the real you, which is like, all right, then we can create from this. You know what? Let's utilize that. Let's have that be fuel, baby. Get you some. And the, the great part that we need to really hammer home is that the stuff that you're saying to yourself, if I'm hearing you correctly, it doesn't even have to be real. It doesn't have to be rooted in reality. Just to say, hey, every time I three putt, I make five straight birdies. Of course, that's not true. But it's being right. able to think in a way that elevates your emotional state so that you can continue performing with the best you got for the rest of the round, right? Yeah, you know, that's a, an excellent point. Like, you don't have to, truth mentality doesn't require that you make up stupid fantasy, uh, but you're allowed to. Like, a lot of people set their alarm clocks right? They're bedside clocks to a time that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> They're, it's a bold-faced, self-delusional lie. <laughs> you set the damn clock. You know it's not that. It's 15 minutes less than that. Why are you doing that? Well, it's a smart move because it's increasing the probability of punctuality, which is helping you win the day. Good call. <laughs> so you're, you don't have to make up bulls. Crap, you can, <laughs> you can, uh, you, you know what, just choose to remember, like, what if it is, if you had a personal golf historian, right, like, like Flintstones, Kazoo, <laughs> and you just have your own little historian, and, and their job is to remind you of all the great things from the history, your own personal history of playing the game, so you go, Kazoo, all right, I just three-jacked the first hole, par five. Right? I was look. I put, I was putting for eagle, and I'm walking off a park. Talk to me. He goes, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. In fact, this was from last year. You did the same thing here, and you ended up uh, having the third best round of your life. Really? Yeah. I remember that. I know. It, you know, maybe there is like a memory that's real and completely legit, but you don't remember it. Right, of an experience where something amazing followed that like <gasps> mistake. Well, then you may as well just make one up because you're probably just forgetting a good one anyway. <laughs> we'll I make a mistake. I can't believe you pulled out the great kazoo. I, mean, I can't either. We're gonna have I'm to put that in the show notes. You know, just for the listeners, if they're not familiar, kazoo was a <laughs> little green alien-looking dude that would show up and talk to Fred Flintstone from time to time. But uh, that's that's what I love about you. We're always gonna come up with something uh, a, a little great. bit. Uh, a little bit out of bounds. Right. So, um, dude, this stuff is so amazing. And um, you know, what this show is all about is, is not just you know, talking golf or whatnot. It's about giving people you know, real tangible action steps that they can do right now to create a, a profound impact in their lives. So you know, just to end things here, what are the, the two things that are just sort of top of mind that you'd like our listeners to put into practice? You know, I know that golf and life are so overlapping and all the stuff that you talk about is applicable everywhere, but this is a golf program. So what's one thing, if you're going to be, you know, so fortunate to be able to leave this podcast and, and walk to the golf course, what's one thing they can do right now on the golf course? And what's one other thing that they can do 
I'm going to give you three. Off the golf course as well. Three. Bonus. Yep. Okay, so one is bring enthusiasm into every shot. Like legit. Practice having every the next shot be your favorite one. Like bring enthusiasm. Have the, enthu- the creation of enthusiasm be the on switch for your pre-shot routine. That's one. Uh, the other is we already mentioned it, so I'll reiterate. Uh, and other. These aren't my three top things. These are three things, okay, that we talked about today. There's so there's a million more, but these are three that we talked about. Um, another is after the ball goes anywhere other than where you wanted it to, okay, which I call offline shots. I don't call them bad shots. They're good or offline. So respond, get rid of any frustration or any low-grade response as fast as possible or replace it with the two questions, which is what – first one is, is there any learning in this? Is there anything I can grab from this real quick? Right? Like, how do I make it do that? Because that could be useful later on uh, or help me correct it now. Uh, and then the next is, okay, now let's go get the next one. And what can I create from this? What can I create out of this situation that I just created where the ball is now? And then the, the third one is when you're putting, uh, it's more, it's more, this, I love this. One of my favorite lessons ever from the mental game of golf is that it's more important to be decisive than it is to be right. And that's particularly true in putting. It's more important to be decisive than it is to be right. There's no such thing as the right line. There's a theoretically actually reality there are an infinite number of uh lines or paths that the ball can take depending on speed to go into the hole so there is no right one there's just yours the one you pick so two things decide decide all right two things when punting decide two things one it's going in and two what's the path that i decided it's taking and you can apply each of those three Practices to everything in your life. Go into all experiences with enthusiasm. Initiate. Go into meetings with enthusiasm. Create enthusiasm before you're going to get on a call. Maybe it's going to be a little bit. Maybe it could be a debate or something. Create enthusiasm before you go in. Right. <clears throat> create enthusiasm and possibility. What you could create from that. Right. And then whenever you don't get what you want in life, ask yourself. You know, uh, is there any learning in this for me? This is this is not the outcome I wanted. There's got to be some learning. Let's go get it. And then what can I create from this set of circumstances that I didn't ask for that maybe wouldn't have even been possible if not for the circumstance. Right. And then, and then use decision-making or getting all in and all the things that matter to you, not just your putts, <laughs> but all the things that matter to you in your life decide that you're powerful enough to have them become your reality and choose them to create them. Such incredible stuff, man. I always get so freaking fired up when we spend time together and um, you know, this podcast is, as Not a, always. <laughs> <laughs> We're together watching the Eagles lose. I don't yeah. think you're fired up. That's uh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's that's my one opportunity to uh, put down my mouth. Yeah. That's that is that <laughs> is the one situation where none of this applies. <laughs> the exception. Uh, to it. Hey man, you've got so much incredible stuff um, going on. I want the listeners to know about your your tough talks podcast, your daily dose, your speaking gigs. Tell us more about that and, and how people can learn more about who you well, are. What you do. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the simplest way is simply to go to my website, which is ChristopherDoris.com. Christopher, and then my last name, D-O-R-R-I-S.com. And I do have uh, a couple um, lists where I send out you know, good stuff uh, on all things mental toughness. One is The Daily Dose. comes out at 6 a.m. every morning, 365 a year. And it's uh, the Daily Dose Mental Toughness Tips in 30 Seconds or Less. In fact, here's, here's a book of the first 
365 of them. That's the one. Oh, That's the one? what do you know? I think that would be the one. Look at you, show off. Thank you for that. So yeah, that that's I love that little book because you could just like flip it open, you know, just have one big for the day. But but you get them in your mailbox, email box in the morning. So that's one list, the daily dose, and the other is tough talks, which is conversations on mental toughness. Just an amazing one yesterday came out yesterday. Speaking of the Eagles, with our boy John Dorenboss, right? We get some pretty amazing guests on tough talks. This guy's fascinating, John Dorenboss. Look him up. Check out his book. And check out our my interview with him. So to get on these lists, very simple. Go to the website or just go to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S. And it's just like you put your name in, put your email, click, and start getting all the goodies. I would definitely recommend this to everyone listening to this podcast. Um, you're over probably like 50 episodes now or, or possibly more. The The list of guests is just outstanding and it's diverse and and I listen to everyone when they when they hit my inbox. And I think if you were to do that as a listener, you're in there. I'm in there, everybody. We had a great one. We had we a did great one. We had a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're all listed when you go onto the page for Tough Talks. Then they're all listed there, right? It's also a podcast like yours. So, it's, so you can watch the video or you can just listen to the audio. But uh, yeah, just go in there and look for Jeff. It'll be one of the earlier episodes. Awesome. Well, I love you like a brother, and I just want to thank you so much Likewise. for for sharing your gift with, um, with everyone listening, listening to this program. Well, Jeff, I'll thank you uh, for that. And uh, I love you like a brother as well. And, and I'm really proud of you. People who are listening to this, who have access to you are very fortunate because you are brilliant. You are truly brilliant. And, and, and the content that you create is, is amazing. I, you know, and people might be saying, Oh, these guys are just bros. That's what we've been saying that. Well, they're, they're, that's the reason we are bros. Okay, is because of the, the, the quality of the way you show up in the world. So everyone that has access to this and you know, to your podcast and all the other content that you create are very fortunate because uh, you are amazing, dude. <laughs> all right, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation with Chris Doris. And please join us on future episodes of the Make the Turn podcast. Be well, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make the Turn podcast. If you want to learn more about Make the Turn performance, go ahead and check out our website, mttperformance.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at mttgolf or download our Make the Turn instructional app by searching Make the Turn Golf in the iOS app store or by visiting mttgolfapp.com. <laughs>